all very welcome to the Cowies Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature and wellness. And today we've got a very, very special and exciting show and a great guest, a fabulous guest, uh, a real yeah, renaissance man, I would say. Actually. Oh, yeah. We've got George Higgs today, haven't we? Yeah. And George oh, Higgs he's Charles. He's a composer, a musician, a writer. He's written poetry. He's written operas. He's working on his third novel at the moment. And now, his body they're, of they're, work. They're, they were mostly grilla operas, weren't they? Yeah, we'll have to get into that, actually. It was kind of an yeah. interesting yeah, project. Yeah, like, how do, you, how do you teach a grilla opera? Like, <laughs> We're going to find out anyway, I hope. But uh, let me just, I'll pull up some of his stuff here before we invite yeah. him in to chat with us. So there's George's SoundCloud. You can check. He's got, he had an album come out this year in April called uh, Music for Modern An An Animals. And it was actually kind of what caught my eye at first. One of the things that caught my eye anyway, at least. Um, so I definitely recommend check out George on SoundCloud there. There's the artwork. Um, let me see. Can I zoom in on that a little bit? That's, um, I think he said it's a 14th century wood cutting. Uh, I recognised yeah. it. That's put some Pythagoras stuff there. I don't know how well you can see that. Tell you what, I'm going to play two seconds off it. Uh, let's play a tiny bit. This is the Great Salty Islands. That's George's next album that he's going to be coming out with uh, around November, maybe around November, it might be a little bit after. Uh, that's Descent Ensemble, which is uh, the main topic we're going to talk about today. Um, and we'll get, we're actually going to, we're going to pull in, uh, pull in George. Hey, George. Hello. How are you How are doing? You? Nice to see you, Chris and Shane. Yeah, great yeah. to have you here. Uh, we were just telling uh, the lovely audience about your upcoming album. Great. So the Sense yeah. Ensemble, you're telling me it kind of it relates to to the hearing impaired and deaf people. And That's right. Yeah, I worked for probably about 10 or a few more than that years uh, with deaf musicians and deaf audiences. So <laughs> over that time, I developed some different techniques you can talk about later that I used with them to kind of generate music that's multi-sensory. Wow. Yeah, that's a really interesting topic, actually. And we were chatting a bit about it before the show. And you have some really insightful ideas to do with that. That You were kind of saying to me how music is basically multisensory anyway. Yeah, yeah. So often you wonder when you're setting out to create multisensory music, if you're in fact doing anything new, which actually is a really good question. Anyway, we can talk about that. Too. Yeah. And I heard what Chris said about gorillas. We could talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I, I did forget to read out your bio, but I suppose I'll, I'll run over quickly there. Um, well, I did read out some of it, but your stuff has been performed in in uh, Carnegie Hall in in the Kremlin. Uh, what else? You, you do some great work with uh, the Waterford Healing Arts, which hopefully we'll get into at some point as well. But yeah, Chris, seeing as you asked, will we? Like, could you tell us uh, about this gorilla opera? Project, yeah, you should know. always uh, you should always undertake that work in a cage, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> strict uh, supervision. Uh, mm. The grill aspect was that the opera was performed on the street. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
No, oh, I, I, I got that. I know, I know <laughs> for the be- I know you did, Chris, but for the benefit of the people who can't see the word written out, yeah, it's gorilla, like Che Guevara kind of gorilla. Yeah. We used to advertise it on the street and did a few performances on the street. It was basically sing spiel kind of a song spiel kind of thing where you have just you know, uh, Kurt Vile. I would have loved that kind of stuff. Kind of it's quite dark humor. Very um, indie, I would say, is probably the. Yeah, yeah. The band was on the stage always. That was one part of it. Um, and it was kind of just a band. We called the Bread and Circus Band, actually. I always liked that name of the band, the Bread and Circus Band. It was a double bass, drums. I was playing banjo, played guitar, and there was a um, sax player and a bassoonist, actually, at one point, and a oh, clarinetist. Wow. And actually, a, a Romanian gypsy, he was a gypsy, uh, accordion player. Yeah, you do quite a lot with brass and wind. I saw that um, you sent us some photographs. I'll pull those up in a little bit. Actually, there's one here I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, what's that? It's a a trombone out on a a boat somewhere. Um, Oh, yeah. Let me pull that up for everyone. Sure. There we go there. What's going on there? A trombone on a boat. Yeah, that that was called uh, a float. It was a performance I did in Arklo, which is in Arklo. Uh, yeah. on the Evoca River. So I was working with a, the Arklo Boat Club and a group of a, a brass, I guess they're like a quintet, sextet. I don't know if you can see here. I have oh, my yeah. trombone up there. I just actually pulled it out of an attic the other day. One of the joys of my life is that I have a million different of these instruments maybe we'll talk about in storage and I'm always kind of stumbling upon yeah instruments as well just normal instruments like the trombone so i actually just picked up the trombone again last week and started playing it oh lovely watch my children's alarm (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing though you do pick up a lot of accoutrement as you go on like you know oh i tell you what chris it's like i remember once i was carrying some piece of some instrument can't even remember across (laughs) near patrick's cathedral i remember i was with my son i had my bike here and i had the plan i was going to bring that and I'd cycle back and my son was with me he's like 11 at the time he's 26 now and he was like dad no offense but when I grow up uh, I, I plan to do something a little more stable with my life <laughs> I was like I'll take that as a compliment yeah, yeah, I was, no, yeah. I, I, I'm gonna try and encourage my son to do a real job too <laughs> <laughs> never works I know. Uh, but George no, no, so no. I know we, we do just because like I have to say I found um, when I discovered your work I found it really inspiring just to see mm. you've been so active over the years and gotten a lot of recognition as well I would say I think that's kind of fair to say but I really like to see the way you've applied your work um, to kind of how it can actually be very therapeutic for people and um, you know, it really does seem to, you know, you're not in the, in the, you know, as I would see it, the, um, commercial end. Like I think art, it is important that art does have a commercial component so we can reach people with, with what, what, what we have. But it's very refreshing to see that you've been, you've been working for so long and, and, and your work is so varied actually. I mean, you, you have, you've got poetry and everything, don't you? Yeah. I think, um, just thinking about this in advance, um, and maybe chatting with, you, Shane, uh, previous to today's conversation. I think one thing that's really important to me, or just just a fact that I guess I came into the business I'm in, if that's what you want to call it, because I guess out of necessity, you know, basically is like a survival thing. Um, I didn't think about it at the time, but 
I guess I kind of depend on music as much as for my kind of living is just to keep going. I, I actually, I was work, walk, working in Waterford Healing Arts Trust yesterday. And one of the clients, they call them, they're, you know, essentially patients in the mental health services care unit where I work. Um, she, she, I was kind of laughing away and she's like, how do you keep so happy? And I said, you know, I don't think I'm happy all the time, but, um, I said, I think music is a really important thing. And uh, I guess every single day I get up in the morning and live my day, do my thing. I think how lucky I am that I, I got involved in music. You know, it's just like, because uh, the good thing about music is you can be down with it. You know, if you got the blues, you, you sing the blues and you feel better. Yeah. If you're singing something That's sad. What, isn't it ironic? Is that like when we, if we're feeling sad, we can sit, sing sad songs and we feel better. Like. Yeah, and it's not about trying to avoid it. It's just about settling in with that experience, you know. Uh, I think traditional Irish music has that kind of pegged where the more depressing the song is, the more upbeat the tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very interesting to see, I think, with Irish music, how different cultures like the American Irish culture, how they identify with it and how hmm. real actual Irish people identify with it. It's very interesting to see that kind of whatever... Um, kind of uh sad as the sorrowful aspect how it can be uh how it can be used in those different um with those different audiences you know that's always interests me how different audiences um react to different things you know and mm. i guess I, I spent a lot of my career thinking a lot about my audience um now that I'm recording, I well, can't. That's think great. You know, Joe, sorry to go across. I think that's okay. that's beautiful, like that, and that I think that is the right approach to take. That it's not like um, your focus is is where I think it should be is the audience, because if there's no audience, like, well, what's the point, really? Exactly, exactly. And I think um, I really, when I'm writing a piece, even now, as I say, when you're recording things for the internet, you can't envisage your audience as clearly as say on a street, which is where I often performed a lot of my other stuff um but what you can do is you can think about yourself from the audience's perspective and how i always imagine how somebody's going to listen through something i imagine myself as the listener obviously and what i'll anticipate when a certain chord is oh, struck it's a, it's a great it's a, it's a it's a great way to practice empathy i think as well is you, you pick up these other skills along the way through music and empathy is definitely yeah yeah 100 percent. and i think that um one thing about music, I think for many musicians, we're often, I, I don't think I'm a brilliant communicator. It's fine today, but like, you know, your day-to-day -day life and your relationships, maybe you, you have challenges and stuff. But music offers a way for us to really connect with people in a language. And people kind of marvel when they're not musicians, but, you know, it feels more natural. So you're delighted when you can connect with an audience and people. And I think I'm always yeah. thinking out that connection, you know. And it's kind of a universal language as well, because music is international, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. As, as, as a subject, that's really interesting. And I kind of find that interesting how you say communication for you was maybe something you maybe you've worked on and that would be similar for me and Chris as well actually mm. um, and growing up and like learning to read and stuff was a little bit difficult for me but I think ultimately what happened was it made me actually work a bit harder so yeah. and that's a that's a theme that seems to be coming up actually a lot around here that's you know when we're when we're in situations where we have to work a bit harder ultimately we we, we, we strive and we can really 
pick up a lot of other skills as we go because of that. Absolutely. Um, and the, the idea that you have to, you know, I constantly hear kids and my kids in school say, I'm not good at this. I really agree with you there that just because you have to work hard at something doesn't mean you don't have a talent because there's so, so many facets to any practice. And, and, you know, it's like that you think you have to have this prodigy kind of um, identity. I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think that it's how you sit with something, however hard it, uh, however much hard work it involved, how you sit with it once you're, mm. you're working with it. And it's often it's like that, uh, that's the struggle that's interesting, the struggle with the, the medium, whether it's music or writing or, or mm. painting. You know? I, I, I totally agree with you there, actually. Um, I find that when something comes too easy to me, I give up on it very quickly. Yeah, exactly. You know, I need, I need a challenge. I need, nice. I need an obstacle to make me interested. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I think too, it's funny, like my kids often say, do you think that person's a good singer? And you know, it's, it's very subjective. Yeah. But I often say to them, when I listen to a voice, it's not about somebody singing easily or, I don't know what beautifully even means, you know, at this point, but I guess I'm more interested in connecting with something about that voice that expresses something I can, I I can relate to. And even if I don't know, I can't put my finger on it in words, you know, so if I hear a a singer kind of flying all over the scales effortlessly, I'm not saying it wouldn't interest me, but it won't necessarily interest me because it has technical agility yeah. or talent you know it's not really for, for me um very important um it is subjective though i think you're right like taste comes into it so much and yeah. i mean i used to i used to kind of have favorites whether it was music or whatever it was but i kind of got to a point where i realized actually i don't think i really have any favorites anymore yeah. like i love all types of music i really do and you know given even depending on what what mood i am in, in, in on a given day i might prefer to listen to one thing or, or another but again that's part of the beauty of music i think that it can be di- it's the same piece of work can be can bring different meaning on a different day yeah 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 it's really interesting i often think about irish music how it was largely an indoor experience you know a mm-hmm. pub pub experience and even in terms of um just the way it developed you know probably you're in little houses and stuff and how that um transfers or doesn't transfer to different settings you know it's very interesting to think about that and George, so during lockdown and things like that, I know you worked on your 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 album that came out in April. There, so how was that process for you? How did you find that? Great, you know, it's like uh, basically about a year ago. Now, I just suddenly thought I want to get some um, get some of my music down. I've recorded over the years. Don't get me wrong, but most of my work until now has been based on the on live performance. I was really focused on that. If you look at my website, you can see that it's all the stuff that happened outside. Yeah, George's website, guys, it's in the description, but you'll find it at, let me pull up the name here. It's georgehiggs.com. Okay, that's easy to find. George and Higgs is H-I-G-G-S.com. And he's, I'll actually just pull it up there, George, for them. Um, sure, sure. That's the website there. He's got loads of stuff there's the album we're going to talk about um a little bit in a moment music for modern animals it's a great listen guys i really i fell in love with it actually when i listened to it. it's really varied and 
And um, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on as far as uh, some of the sounds and um, so some of the just, instruments. Yeah, <laughs> the instruments, and um, that's something else. George does a lot of. He, well, there's just it's just a, you can. I'll just scan it there. Look at all these works, guys. Okay, that's mm. his performances. When you see someone sipping on a crisp, refreshing drink from McDonald's, you may suddenly crave one too, <laughs> and that's normal. It's more than a drink. It's a McDonald's drink. All your ice-cold go-to drinks are here whenever that mood hits. From classic Coca-Cola to a sparkling Sprite to a sweet, sweet tea. Get any size for just $1.39, only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. And then check out his, his music compositions and, and musical interventions there on his website, georgehiggs.com. So, um... Let me just pull us back in there. Yeah, George, the album, um, you've done, you, there's all, how many instruments is even on that? I don't know, did you count or? No, I haven't counted actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll try to get the trombone on the next one. Uh, <laughs> no, so the, the one instrument I think I, I was going to call it for a while, music for glass harmonica, there actually already is an album, Naxos. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, ben, Frank, ben Franklin invented that glass harmonica. They always yeah. played the wine glasses, but he put them on a basically a little... Uh, not a scale. Exactly, a foot pumped. Yeah. And, and actually, people got brain damage because the glass had lead in it back in those days. Oh, so wow. a lot of glass harmonica players went insane. and oh, well, They got poisoned and died. Um, all ben, ben Franklin's fault. Americans! Causing trouble again. <laughs> uh, so, oh yeah, and for anybody who didn't uh, pick up on it, uh, uh, George was born in Pennsylvania. For anybody who, who... but the accent is a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been here since I was probably twenty-one. I came over as a student to Trinity. Right. Um, really into James Joyce at the time. So oh wow, lovely. Uh, still like and, it, and, it, and his complete lack of punctuation exactly <laughs> no pauses no pauses what did James Joyce say I love he said uh, I think he was writing Finnegan's Wake and he said hmm. I've got all the words I just have to figure out what order to put them in that's funny that's funny though because for an Irish poet to say that would make sense to me because the grammar of English and Irish is so backwards to each other that that's exactly yeah. what you'd expect an Irish poet to say. Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I re actually, I remember a statistic. It could be wrong. Somebody can check this out now. But they said that all the words total, even repeated words in Hamlet, there are 40,000 approximately. Uh, but in Ulysses, there are 40,000 different words. You know, I always thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it, it doesn't repeat itself at all, no. No. Exactly. And I think I think there's like one full stop in the middle somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somewhere there. Yeah. Well, George, I'd, I'd love to ask you about the, that tour track. Um, is sure. That, I think it's COVID Mutations number one. And I was asking you about that and you were explaining that some of this was recorded during lockdown. And you, you, like, was it a 2K radius at one point you were, you were going out and sampling things? Yeah, I, I got some Arts Council funding. I've got a fair bit of funding from the Ar Irish Arts Council, uh, and I'm grateful for that. Um, and that was something during lockdown. They had a emergency COVID fund, and I applied. <clears throat> my application said I want to record sounds within two kilometers of my home because we were all restricted, as mm. you recall, uh, to live within that radius. So I, I set about recording these sounds. I recorded my daughter, recorded my son hitting them. It's uh, the 
fall against the wall, the slitter against the wall. Um, and I made a, a piece of music called um, Music Within a Two Kilometer Radius. I think there's a link on my website. It's on SoundCloud. And after that, I went about, actually, that was me cutting my teeth on the recording program, Logic, I hadn't used in a few years. So then I, was, I got my appetite back for recording, and I really started recording that new album. And I took that piece of music and thought I'd redo it without the voices just to have it as a piece of music. And that's what I did. That's why it became COVID mutation number one. Then a few things, as often is the case when I'm recording, I'll be noodling away or rehearsing a bit and I'll get another idea and I'll say, okay, I'll make a separate piece. And that's why on the album, there's COVID mutation number one, number two, and number three. And I just called them that because they all were offshoots from that original mm. piece. Um, so yeah, I just did it without the voices. Um, so I, I found that a really, that's a great exercise to do something with all these sampled voices or sampled sounds that keep your interest. And it's a really good compositional challenge to then strip all that away and force your audience or force yourself to keep your audience's attention with music alone. And I, I find that I, that's pretty much what I'm trying to do the whole time. I'm trying to tell a story with the music. Um, but keep my audience's attention. So move from one idea to the next and keep enough connections and return to ideas. You know, it's quite yeah. a traditional compositional approach, but I pretty much use that all the time. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite fascinating actually to hear your kind of the thought processes and how some of this stuff come, comes about. So yeah, the music for mo modern anim animals, how many tracks is on that, George? Was it? 10. They're 10. 10, I yeah. Think I probably recorded 14 and then kept... I uh, sent him to a friend of mine. He's like, yes, yes, no, no. <laughs> well, that's great though, isn't it? You, you really, you need, you need fresh eyes on, on things sometimes. I'd, and I'd be really interested to hear those forwarder tracks though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, like really some, sometimes what ends out on the cutting room floor is the best of it really. Yeah, you get out there. You know, I often think, you know, there's so much music, Chris, that over the years that I've recorded or, you know, had notes for mm. that I didn't use, but, and there was a time I've taken another attic somewhere. There's a whole box of cassette tapes of all these ideas of me singing in the middle of the night or during the day on my cassette tape, record and play or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it's incoherent. But I've, I've decided at the end that usually you'll get that idea back. But if you don't, it doesn't matter because you just do it again. You know, so I, I used to look at melody as some kind of gold dust, uh, but I don't anymore, funnily enough, you know. Um, right. I think there's a little bit of a neurosis almost with me about that. It's like I must, I had an idea, I must keep that idea. If I don't lose that idea, uh, I was a panicky kind of feeling. I can't explain, you know, and I'm, oh, I have to keep those tapes. I, I, I actually used to be like that as well. Um, but now I just kind of let the ideas come and disappear as they will. Exactly. And the ones that yeah. stick around long enough for me to actually do something about are the ones that I do something yeah. about. <laughs> I, think, I think that maybe you'll agree. I think that. Um, taps into something much deeper in all of us. Uh, I think all these compositional processes are really just like symptoms of something else. And it's that idea, again, live versus recorded. You want to get it down for posterity. Whereas with the live performance, you're just doing it because hmm. 
it's there and then it's gone, you know. And, and yeah, I, I think that's a beautiful approach because I think sometimes you, I know, like in say in the early days when I was when I was getting into recording and stuff like that, you know, there would be a sense of kind of like, oh, why does it change the minute I press record? It's not the way I want it to be. But yeah, over a period of time, I just like you know, just let that go. And 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 sometimes like we'd be we'd be d- d- doing a performance or something like that, and. And someone would be like, oh, did we get that recorded? And I'd be like, oh, no, no, we didn't. And they're like, why? Why not? And I was like, well, yeah. sometimes things aren't meant to be recorded. It's a one-off. That's a beautiful yeah. thing, like, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. And I think um, I think the, that's the other thing about a recording people. You listen to something and you think it's so representative of something you know whether it's a, an iconic song but for the person that recorded that that was just one expression of that out of a thousand probably you know in the case of the beatles they'd played those songs thousands of times and probably that was their least favorite rendition you know <laughs> yeah exactly all, you know like, oh, ah. it's a wee segue but i'll go on it but you know just like famously um you know the track from nirvana smells like teen spirit but yeah. apparently the original single version of that sounded a lot better than what ended up on the album because wow. sometimes mastering, which is like the, the last part when the product is, is, is being finalized on the sound and it's kind of, to explain it in layman's terms, it, they just kind of balance the, the, the sound so that it will perform better on as many types of speakers as possible. But that means kind of watering it down a little bit as well. So in other words, you can listen to Smells Like Teen Spirit on a really good hi-fi and it's going to, it'll like blow your mind. But if you play it on, you know, a little, uh, a little hi-fi, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't sound as great. So they had to, they had to kind of, it's like the Budweiser model, you know, um, mm. as bland as possible so that you could hit a wider bass. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I find it all really fascinating, anything like that. Very interesting, very mm. interesting. Yeah, it's funny about the mastering, you know, so many, as you say, lame, and you know, people that don't get into recording, obviously, which is most people, it's fair enough. And when they, they put on CDs, the, the 2009 mass, uh, master versions, and most people are like, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. It sounds pretty good. I always thought it's funny <laughs> to say that because, you know, I've mastered things. So, yes. Yeah. But I think it's just funny for, you know, the poor average person, like, the hell are they talking about? Yeah, sound it's mastering. Thank you. Quite a long time to explain what mastering is. <laughs> it's actually quite nuanced, a strange kind of process, but very important. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting, all right. <laughs> and uh, so, and George, you, like you've kind of worked with skills a bit and stuff. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because I'm kind of interested. Yeah. In, you do seem like you, 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 te- you teach a bit and stuff. They allow me into the schools. Yeah, they they put it run a metal detector over me and all that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I've done a lot of different projects in schools. Actually, at the moment, I'm doing one up in Skull Weir uh, in Carrick on Shannon in County Leitrim. Oh yeah. Um, I worked for about five months last year um, with the students in the fifth class. They're now in sixth class, mm. and we came up with lyrics to a song called "The Dream of the Knockabuck." And I've just got some funding to. Uh, compose music to that. It'll be performed by the school we're a choir and fantastic. Uh, the Millennium Choir, which is a choir, a kind of very good, high high caliber uh, non professional choir up in Leitrim, in Carrick and Shannon. 
uh, and it's just being done in the dock, which is in Carrick and Shannon the theater. And so they, they, they support it as well. But I've done a lot of projects in the schools every year. Um, a lot of times in Dublin, I'm working with students building instruments. Uh, the work I did with the deaf community was originally in a school as well. It was in St. Mary's School for Deaf Girls, it was called at the time. They've changed the name now. Um, but yeah, lot, lots of lots of work in schools, actually. With you. Yeah, that's great. And I, I can only imagine, but it must be uh, fairly fulfilling, I think, to be able to... Um, it really is. It's it's amazing. You know, and I think that the central thing I've learned over the years, the most important thing when you're working in a school environment or any kind of like, not just community, yeah, community environment where you're whatever, interfacing with a group of people in an organization, who you're working through is really important. Like who's mm. there on the ground the teacher or the in the case of mental health care facilities the care worker there that can kind of make or break the experience um you know um so uh, fortunately i've been i've been it's worked really well i've had really supportive um you know because it's with a teacher um the teacher needs to kind of be there to make sense of it to the students otherwise they're thinking well who is this person you know? yeah yeah <laughs> But that's great though. And I, I, it must be like a kind of um, a good skill you've picked up along the years of how to actually kind of work in those kind of groups. And I suppose there's a bit, little bit of um, kind of thinking on your feet a little bit as well. Like, I think that is the thing I learned, Shane and Chris, like more than anything else, I learned not to plan too much in advance and just to go with my gut. You know, it's like the heroes. It's the Indiana Jones. Like, how did he know to grab onto that branch? Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, so that's, yeah. you got to use the Indiana Jones approach, you know, the, uh, uh, that's yeah. great. That's, I love that. That sounds like a sense of adventure. Yeah. Oh, very well. Like, you know, it, it was George Higgs. What do you think of that? That was amazing. Like, you know, you could, you couldn't get much more inspiring than that. Like, helping yeah. deaf people to hear music like yeah it's incredible <laughs> like uh, and and yeah. uh, george he's such a great guy and he's uh, a great sense of humor actually i love the humor in, in all of his stuff oh yeah yeah brilliant okay guys well look listen george will be back with us soon again we're going to get into more musical adventures with george higgs charles and check out his soundcloud guys he's got his he released his album there in april uh, music for Modern Animals it's brilliant I highly recommend you check that out and keep an eye out for his upcoming album The Sense Ensemble yeah, which will be November-ish George Higgs Charles thanks so much Thank you.